coming to you live from inside the globe, perched high atop the Bugle Planet building in sunny Gotham City. It's Hey Kids Comics with two guys who are always ready to seduce the innocent, your hosts, Andrew Farmer and the Jedi Cole Houston. And now it's time for Hey Kids Comics. Ladies and gentlemen, after a short hiatus due to some uh, dental, uh, I, I'm going to call it torture. This is Hey Kids Comics. Yes. Oh my God, Cole! I don't, I don't want to make this into Andy bitches about his teeth cast, but holy hell, man, that was five days of the worst pain. But this is Hey Kids. Well, we, Comics. we weren't going to drop this tonight. <laughs> We're going to go ahead. Uh, coming up in a few weeks, brand new show on the Jedi Cole Universe. Andy bitches about his teeth cast. Yeah. It's, well, it'll be it's, it's a monthly show. Yeah, and it's just me bitching about my teeth. Yeah, it's just you know sometimes it's more severe bitching than others, but the bottom line is lots of bitching. I've, I've always got something to bitch about with my teeth, but tonight we're not we're not uh, we're not bitching about my teeth. Tonight we're getting back into a story arc that we moved away from to talk about some toys briefly, but we're back now. We're back now. Um, by the way, this is Hey Kids Comics. I'm Andrew Farmer. With me, as always, the Jedi Cole Houston. Hello. There he is. Now, uh, Cole, if it pleases the court, <laughs> I would like to make my final statements. <laughs> what we have so this here... Is the final issue of the arc. ...is a travesty of man's law. We are holding court on man's crimes against a giant talking monkey. <laughs> you cannot put God's law into nature's hands, sir, your honor, your honorable Cole T. Houston. <laughs> this is a travesty of justice. All men are created equal. This is a monkey. This is a gorilla. He is divided from our DNA by 2%. 2% is enough. If it's 2% DNA, you must walk away, Cole. He cannot be held. <laughs> In contempt of man's laws, he is a monkey. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we are talking about Gorilla Grodd. Yes, indeed. Um, let me, Sorry, uh, I didn't, uh, old, uh, Southern Lawyer Man. Uh, he's I, all, I, I thought you were reaping the whirlwind for a moment there. Is, Southern Lawyer Man is uh, is all the – he, he handles all the judiciary – uh, issues in Muggerville. Okay. All of them. Prosecution. Think, yeah. And defense, oddly defense enough. Defense at the same both, time. Both sides of the field. He's like typhoid. Uh, he's like, he's like, uh, who was it? The, the, the typhoid Mary, who split personality? He's like the Moon Knight of defense. Yes. Well, he's, he's actually sort of a two-face character. Yeah. It just depends on which side is facing the, uh, the jury gallery. Yes, it is. As to which, you know, he's like always in a uh, left profile. <laughs> it's true. That during your, defense. Whether uh, he's leaning on the jury stand from his left side or his right side. He's kind of, yeah, leans in with one, you know, at a in a profile. Uh, so, yeah, there you have it. He's very, uh, very popular. Uh, absolutely amazing. 50-50 ratio. <laughs> Dead down the, down the, down the middle. middle. He, is, he has successfully and unsuccessfully prosecuted exactly the same number. <laughs> and so every new case, a potential to throw off the balance until you have another case that, to bring right that, back. Luckily, around. in Muggerville, he does like 10 to 12 cases a day. Always uh, in multiples of two. That's, that's true. And, uh, yeah, in fact, I think he's uh, next on the docket. He's defending Beige Bart. Is he? Yeah, Beige Bart uh, is a, a callback to over 100 issues ago. <laughs> Wasn't he our Western character? He was our Western character. <laughs> he, uh, he was uh, born in the Old West, traveled forward in time, and then was sent even further back in time. <laughs> Out of having to, uh, it turned out he was immortal and never knew it until he had to survive his way vandal savagely <laughs> into the modern era where then he just loops himself. He's just, he just uh, time bullets himself constantly. Oh man. His six shooter. So yeah, Gorilla Grub. We, Cole, you said you had a title for this. Yes, indeed. I The original title slipped my mind, but I have one I like better now. 
Uh, this is, of course, um, God, uh, Hey Kids Comics, what do we say, 343? 343? 354. 354. Good God, we've already passed the 50s. Hey Kids Comics, 354, Roguish Eyes 3. And I think there was some sort of... Um, was there some sort of alliteration toward the Flash in the title yeah, of the Roguish? Probably. But, uh, oh, Flash. Or no. It, it anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> damn Roguish Eyes, and it's about Flash's Rogues Gallery. And this is, of course, the uh, middle chapter, so naturally we're going to be uh, extra punchy. And uh, this is titled Grodacy. I like it. I do like it better than the title we can't remember. Um. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and while, if you remember uh, I back, put in, <laughs> what's that? I reveal whatever it was meant to be. It may have been something like Monkey Shines or something, but uh, I like Grodacy much better. If you remember back in the Wayback Machine, we talked about how Gorilla Grodd wasn't a um, wasn't a rogue in the in the sense that he wasn't a member of the quote unquote rogues. Now, I have a justification yes. for his inclusion, and that is this: there would not be a rogues gallery for Flash if it were not for Gorilla Grodd, because for some reason, Gorilla Grodd, during a prison break, during whatever Carmine Infantino issue of um, The Flash it was, released all of the members, the disparate members of the rogues, and and was the catalyst for them coming together. So were it not for Gorilla's Grodd, um, you would not have a rogues gallery to have a show about. So, there you go. I also like the there fact that go. he has a wife named Boca, but they're separated. <laughs> <laughs> Might be my favorite Gorilla Grodd uh, fact is that he's he's estranged from his gorilla wife. <laughs> I I'm dumbstruck. I did not realize he had a gorilla wife. He also has a uh, a son, which I think we knew that. Oh, but, a gorilla son. Yeah, but apparently, you know. <laughs> He had a, a, a contentious separation from his wife in Gorilla City. Wow. So I like that. I guess, you know, it's it's kind of like if you ever saw Goodfellas, and you know, at the end they say that uh, uh, Karen Hill, you know, eventually uh, divorced Henry. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the same sort of thing. You know, she was in the Witness Protection Program, which basically meant that she was a like sharing a cage with the lusty gorilla boss of Gotham City. And uh, so, she, you know, I think the association with a uh, an arch criminal is uh, certainly, that's grounds for divorce right there. You just painted um, a really nice, vivid mental image of me, uh, for me, of uh, Gorilla Grodd leaving his home and walking down the street high as balls on cocaine thinking helicopters are chasing him. <laughs> was the damnedest thing you know and the worst part was with his telepsychic powers he was like projecting that out into everybody so chicken or egg gorilla grub because i've seen both was he so smart that he became like mentally powered or was it vice versa (laughs) (laughs) like is can you get smart enough that all of a sudden you have like telepathy and telekinesis well i think that uh you know gorilla grod's not the only primate to have been known to have a connection to the name lucy <laughs> okay so i think you know maybe he actually got the lucy drug from uh for the the movie lucy yeah from from morgan freeman you think he was <laughs> what would happen if a gorilla used 100 percent of its brain <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Why you would ever ask such a ridiculous question (laughs) in my classroom. (laughs) No reason. I wasn't using gorillas to smuggle smart drugs in uh, the the condom rift. No reason. (laughs) Do you want to try to put a a, a, a smuggle drugs inside a gorilla? It ain't easy. (laughs) Uh, But speaking of smuggling, uh, I was rather surprised to learn in my research that the home of one Grodd. Yes. The uh, what I always thought was some sort of you know hidden African realm. Wakanda style, that, right? Like yeah, yeah. Uh, that 
was yeah, it's like DC's Wakanda and uh Gorilla City Forever. They uh was apparently the gorillas of Gorilla City are not proper gorillas. Really? They they are Calorian gorillas of the planet Kalor. Okay. Who hitched a ride with Green Lantern Hal Jordan, apparently without his knowledge. I don't know, he just I don't know why I'm getting a little drag on the old ring here today. Shut up, Al. You're out of your league. <laughs> why would that? I don't understand. Why would I think that? <laughs> Market zero. <laughs> so, you know, essentially that's what happened is that uh, the Gorilla City came comes to Earth from a different planet. Interesting. All right. Now, you know, I I can't really find much on what became of it after. I mean, it's still there. Uh, as far as how how it got sort of, you know, what piece of real estate was chosen to. Well, I think you'll find that it's uh, adjacent to Spatula City. <laughs> okay. Spatula City, the, maybe the first reference on this show to the fantastic movie UHF. Maybe. Oh, my God. I think it may be. I've listened to over 200. I'm nearly 250 episodes in. Spatula and City! I have yet to encounter UHF. Okay, I'm calling it. Movies and TV shows. Plant my flag. <laughs> later this year, we'll have a chronicle of exactly how often a number of shows have uh, come up on this show. So, so then comes Barry Allen who uh, <clears throat> discovers the first other human to discover Gorilla City where it's been hidden. Right. All, all time. Apparently that's all it takes to piss off Grodd. Because Grodd then just gets a mat on for Barry Allen. Yeah! <laughs> like, why? Like, why do you then decide it's your mission in life to destroy this man? <laughs> I think partly is uh, Solivar, who... Uh, to my knowledge, is king of the Gorilla City. Yes, benevolent king of Gorilla City, from what I understand. Yeah, exactly, and, and is constantly <clears throat> having to put the kibosh on Grodd's plans. Um, but Solver apparently wound up being captured by humans and has to pose as an ordinary gorilla to protect the secrets of Gorilla City. Correct, yeah, I mean, and that's... But it's just a gorilla, an ordinary gorilla. Well, that doesn't sound so bad, but it's not an ordinary gorilla! So my problem with this is, whenever you have anything that is given, uh, that is anthropomorphized, right? This is what pop culture has taught me, (laughs) is you anthropomorphize anything, and the first thing that thing is going to do is try to become a stand-up comedian, and we did not see that from Gorilla Grodd. (laughs) So that's yeah. what I'm calling this false. I'm calling this entire thing. It's unbelievable. Gorilla Grodd is an unbelievable character because of that reason. <laughs> maybe he did in um, maybe he did in Gorilla City, and that's why he got so mad. He was a failed stand-up. Could be. I, apparently, the uh, these alien apes have no real great sense of humor, and if you're born, you're afflicted with that particular aspect of humanity. It can be quite. Uh, yeah, it, quite it can, disturbing. It can be disturbing. Yeah, it can. It, it paints you. It paints you as the villain, just because you want to talk about airline food. <laughs> just because you have you have hot takes on you know why we park <laughs> in the in the driveway when we drive on the parkway. All of a sudden, you're the bad guy. I'm a I'm yeah. a gorilla grot apologist. In case you haven't figured it out. I, I notice you're you're really uh, taking the the Grodd stand on this. I'm taking the Grodd out of Grodd. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> before we get any further into how ridiculous Gorilla Grodd is, because Gorilla Grodd's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, he's had a long history of doing things like turning the JLA into apes um, with some like ape mist. <laughs> Some some gorilla what? mist. Oh, it was yeah. It's mist in the gorillas. Right. He kind of Diane Fossey then and. Wow, wow. <laughs> Not Bob Fossey did. Diane all Fossey. choreographed by Diane Fossey. 
always the bridesmaid. Um, but I exactly. want to talk. If if you want to take some time, let's talk about the origin of of the of the like smart ape, the evolved ape, the because I think. I think mankind. When we when we when we do these, we always like to talk a little bit about the history and where the 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 concept for the character came from. And I think absolutely, this is pretty easy. This one this one's kind of a lay down because as long as there has been fiction, there have been because it's creepy. For from <laughs> the human brain finds monkeys either adorable or creepy, as as a rule, I think. Because there's so well, much. I quite agree because they're, um, I think they're, you know, it's that connection and then um, different interpretations of what Darwin was trying to espouse um, with the origin of species and, uh, you know, as as we get more scientifically involved, uh, I mean, there's precious little that separates the appearance of the apes and the monkeys and the lemurs, well, the lemurs get a little more dog-looking than others. But, but, you know, especially your great apes, because they were known to man far earlier than most of the monkeys on Earth. Right. Certainly Africa and Asia, you know, the, the Eurasian subcontinent are replete with monkey species. Then we hove off to the New World, like, hey, no monkeys here. And then they go a little south. Holy crap, there's a lot of monkeys. Right. No, no right. apes. You know, there are no apes in that hemisphere. So you have, though, the, the knowledge of, you know, your wild man of Borneo being the very reclusive and shy orangutans, um, the, the savage gorilla of untamed Africa. You know, there's there's always this, um, and you can well imagine. I I can't say this with certainty, but the, uh, you know, the Roman Empire ran roughshod over the better part of the world for the longest. It's very, at least, there's tremendous potential that gorillas could have been brought back to Rome to be displayed and subsequently slaughtered. Is was their way, uh, but you know, Western man has certainly been familiar with apes and gorillas for centuries and there, there is that sort of creepy similarity factor that I think heavily set in when these animals were taken back to Europe to be displayed. Yeah. And, and I mean, it goes in, 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 let's just call it Western literature. I think some of the earliest, you know, you got some stuff in the 1700s where there's mention of, of apes. And, you know, I think that the, they're, they're, so close to human that I think it freaks humans out, especially back before they, like you said, before they understand, before the science was there to really grasp what we were seeing, you know, all the way back to, let's say, 1727 with this, fanta- my research led me to this fantastically titled uh, treatise, and I must read the entire, um, the entire title, okay? Are you ready for this? This is the title. All right. This is the title, 1727, The Hermit, or The Unparalleled Suffering and Surprising Adventures of Doctor or, or Mr. Philip Cortell, an Englishman, who was lately discovered by Mr. Dorrington, a Bristol merchant, upon an, inhabited, an uninhabited island in the South Sea, where he has lived for 50 years without any human assistance and still continues to reside and will not come away. That is the title of <laughs> Was he getting paid by the word? Good God, God. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. That is like a title you would come up with, Cole. <laughs> but, you know, back into the 1700s, we had, you know, in Western literature, in, in a lot of times as a, as a sidekick character, Robinson Crusoe style, or your favorite author. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, what? what's amazing is um, what Burroughs does is posit yet another species of great ape. The, uh, if you delve deep, you discover that Tarzan, the apes that Tarzan ran around with were what are effectively an extinct species, somewhere between gorillas and, say, chimps or bonobos. So, you know, the the ape, as it were, uh, does not exist in reality. Right or at least, you know, the ape that he presents uh, that Tarzan hung out with. So 
I think that's one of the things I really love about that, but there's a whole different story there is the uh, the arthropoid great apes that he uh, brings to bear. But the one that I the one that I found that I think was most telling was um, Rutger Kipling, Rutger Kipling's The Jungle Book, because of Mowgli. Oh yeah, right. That's like that's like the the I would call I I don't think you know obviously there's going to be others but it's the the, the first major large um, writ large smart ape the one that we're we're kind of regardless of whether we think it's you know an imaginative you know, telling or something. It's, it's the first we'd see now. I'm sure there are plenty of more, whether it's mythology or, you know, folklore, but we have been fascinated with the idea of intelligent species of, of ape and, you know, and monkey for such a long time, such a long time. That well, it's it, really, really fascinating though. It's like, you know, one of the most uh, compelling of the smart apes is uh, the jungle books king louis sure yes except that the jungle books king louis doesn't appear in in kipling's work correct they sort of extrapolated the necessity of like hey you know uh there's not a lot of coverage for orangutans <laughs> which, you know, Mowgli would certainly have encountered, so they give you this orangutan that's smart enough to realize that he can rule the world, or his world, with, uh, you know, the advent of fire. Apparently he knew his classics well enough to know that if you steal fire from heaven, then you can uh, you can do anything. <laughs> Correct. You can literally do, especially when you're when you're dealing with other apes. It makes you God. Yeah, um, exactly. Because yeah. you can hold in your hand the thing that they fear and and know that, uh, you know, you've got control of it, just the, like the tailless monkey. But I think I think that it was it's been a source of wonder and, and fear for mankind since, you know, it's it's almost written into our that reptilian part of our brain that makes it a very easy character to translate into comics, which they have done without fail. Oh, yeah. So many times. And I, I think that, you know, there is always that anytime you can suggest an animal, you know, effectively rising above its station, is a, there, there's also a kind of very Victorian yes. feel about just nature in general. And then, you know, the you have your various Sasquatch and Yeti and other uh, sure. such creatures as well. So, uh I just think it's I think it's I think it's low hanging fruit because you know what do you got you got um you got Congorilla you got um Mala you got just there's no end to to you know in intelligent apes running around in comics they're just they're everywhere yeah. um what was the name of oh god I can't remember the image comic with um oh was there like I know there was a character called Prime Eight. There, that was I think that was a Spawn, wasn't it? Cygor. Yeah, Cygor. Yeah, Cygor. Um, but oh, there's alternately Cygor or Prime Eight, depending on which superstation you're watching. Yeah, right. And Monkey Man and O'Brien is what I was going. Oh, okay. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you have all. I think it's just written in. But Gorilla Grodd, as far as popularity goes, and as far as early in. You know, mainstream comic lore was probably the first. As, I think if you were to do like a Sweet Sixteen ape bracket, <laughs> Gorilla Grodd would win, like hands down. Um, and he's been a, the the best known. And uh, talking about transcending, uh, certainly transcends his ridiculous nature. Sure, sure. Oh, one hundred. Because he starts out as either a hyper-intelligent ape or just a regular ape from his original home planet, depending on where you're looking, yeah. who then gets telepathic powers from the same meteorite that gave Hector Hammond his big head. Yes. So That meteorite you know, has a lot to answer for, Cole. No, sharing truly is caring, but I think they've shared the wrong people. <laughs> but... Just the, 
he's been a member of he's been a longtime member of the Legion of Doom and the and the Injustice League. <laughs> Run around with you know the likes of just a mainstay with Lex Luthor. Yeah. <laughs> just hanging out with Luthor. He's a, he's a giant ape man. I don't know, but you have to ask yourself, given his telepathic abilities and the fact that he can basically bend you to his will, uh, you know, are these guys really wanting to be with him? <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That this is, you know, there's a Lex Luthor genuinely want his aid, or is that, is that thought put in his head for him? That's a valid point, sir. I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it, that, but that's a that's a it's good point. Kind of like that episode of Mr. Bean where he uh, writes exactly a birthday like card on the table and then opens it up like all surprise, <laughs> and that's that's where I see you know Grodd is a lonely lonely gorilla. Because he is ostracized, he's estranged from his gorilla wife. <laughs> he was kicked uh, out of Gorilla City for bad stand up. Yeah. He's uh, exactly he, he can't get cut a break, and then this meteor comes along, and all of a sudden he's like, uh, he, he's like Jessica Jones in it. Right, right. That sink in. You got cute little boots. Yeah, in sweet pockets, sweet and all of a sudden, pockets, all of a sudden, <laughs> everybody is doing what he says. No, yeah, it's, it's God. That's a horrible. It's, you're a horrible human being. It's an awful reference. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um no, you're absolutely right. Um, I want to flash forward to the most recent um, importance of Grodd, which is. Um, the the year of the criminal the, the, the this thing that they just finished which was so during this uh, DC metal event that they just got done with the the culmination of which they drove back whatever bad thing was happening but in doing so they broke up the source wall and something came through and um, they figured out that there were like there were like four sources of good and four sources of bad and that's what makes the balance and luther's goal was to get all the bad sources so the speed force is a source of of good basically so they had to find something that would counteract that and they found a baby with the slow force this is all real this happened in the comics and they strapped this slow yeah and it was the turtle is this a new character known as the Sloth? Oh, okay. The, the Turtle. turtle. Do, you, do you know the Turtle from The Flash? Like, the long-standing Flash villain, the Turtle. Oh, wow. I think I actually half remember the, the Turtle. Yeah, had the slow force. Well, there was a baby that was born. I think it was the Turtle's baby had the slow force, and they kidnapped this baby, and they strapped it to Gorilla Grodd. And Gorilla Grodd was running around like Cable from that bad marble uh, hope thing. Where he had a baby strapped to him the whole time, like fighting oh, these yeah. villains or superheroes with a baby strapped to him that had the slow force so that Flash couldn't get near him and punch him. It was the, it's the most ridiculous bullshit. It is it is Gorilla Grodd in a nutshell because everything that they got Grodd to do is just dumb. Like what? <laughs> like seems like, just dumb. I got curious about the turtle and there's about like seven or eight incursions. That depending on which one you look at uh, determines if he's turtly enough. The still force. I'm the sorry, they didn't, they weren't dumb enough to call it the slow force. It was called the still force. And apparently, I, uh, uh, the turtle must have uh, appeared on the Flash uh, TV show. They all did. They all yeah. did. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yes, the turtle. The turtle. Um, no, but but uh, just just. Uh, just, I wish that they would, I wish, you know, that, uh, Grodd could be such a cool-ass character. Grodd could be Brainiac. Excuse me. And they won't, yeah. they won't elevate him to Brainiac status because he's a giant gorilla, which is what they made him. Yes. I think part of the problem there is that at his core, you know, the tenets of his very being are so ingrained in the gorilla that no matter how intelligent he 
there are still aspects of his life that are unassailably gorilla-like. And I think that's where... Interesting. Yeah, his ability... He could be Luther. He could be greater than Luther. But he's held back by, you know, being at intervals easily distracted or uh, rooting for grubs or... Uh, you know, he has to go back twice a year to the vicinity of Gorilla City for the Gorilla Pond Far. <laughs> There's some serious biological that right? that come from being a gorilla. And, you know, you got to go back and, and see what you can do about uh, increasing the Grodd uh, presence on the world. The, the Grodd footprint? The Grodd yeah. print? The Grodd print, yeah. <clears throat> Can we talk for a second about JL Ape? I made a reference to it earlier, but oh, I wrote a... Oh, JL Ape. Oh, I'd forgotten that that was... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes, we, we definitely... We have to talk about... If we're going to talk about Grodd, we have to talk about JL Ape. So, basically... The... I, for the longest, I thought it was Jlape. Jlape? Yes. Like, <laughs> it's, my, I, it's my favorite I flavor of Pushpop. <laughs> Now with pictures of me and Bond. <laughs> so, so basically, um, oh God, uh, the JLA head out to Gorilla City, um, where Grodd and uh, Simeon Scarlet, just another uh, ape-based supervillain, um, turn all of turn all of them. They use a they use an these are weapon that turns people into apes. It's so great. I have this comic somewhere. I have this comic somewhere. Um, all I can say is that uh, I think it was who did the art for who did this? Was it Art Adams? I, I gotta look it up now because whoever yeah. it was had the most fun. The most fun with JL. Yeah, uh, ape and cowl. It, kind of. the, I believe it was. I believe it was Art Adams. He at least did the cover work, but it just so, just so much fun. Batman as a, as a, as an ape, like with the cowl on, <laughs> is just so good. It's, the Flash with the cowl on, it's so good. But, um, so basically, um, Salivar is out, um, out trying to, uh, on, on like a peace tour. Because they're kind of doing the the, uh, the Atlantis thing, where they're trying to introduce themselves to the world. Because, like, at some point, you realize that there is a giant ape city, right? You can't hide that shit forever. Yeah. So you got to go out and you got to, you know, kiss it, the baby. Especially when Grodd goes out and for everybody and yells and yells, "Ape city for life, bitches! <laughs> Gorilla city for <laughs> life, bitches!" And then just starts mowing people down with like giant laser weapons and taking control of pilots' brains and crash crashing planes. Like you're gonna know that I do this for Gorilla City. Like what is Gorilla City? Um, but you know, right here, Gorilla City, just sort of like by the Spatulaville. That's what I call my crotch, Gorilla City. <laughs> Like no, no Grodd, no Grodd. Um, but the weirdest thing oh, so that's holding him back. So the weirdest thing about this storyline isn't that the JLA become apes and have to go fight crime as apes to try to to try to you know stop these Grodd-based terrorist attacks. <laughs> it's that um, Gorilla Grodd concocts this machine that. Um, absorbs the mind of all of the world's gorillas, <laughs> not people. So, so it's sort of a collective gorilla. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely like a gorilla with the power of ten gorillas. He he is 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 living the uh, the dream of Marco. But um, just know that the titles for these books were Grodd's fantastic. Like, like it's a fantastically weird storyline where you get to see the justice league run around as apes it's one of those things that it's like a x babies yes you just have to accept it sometimes you're gonna get shit part like of... this in comics um yeah. <laughs> but you get all these titles like uh 
like uh, 20,000 apes under the sea for the Aquaman, because this was one of those annuals that they oh, used to wow. do. You know, yeah. where they were all tied together. Um, it's it's so great. The Apes of Wrath. Um, the Wrath Isn't that of the, uh, the Red Lantern Corps? Yes, it is. The, the Gorilla City Red Lanterns. But if you haven't seen it, it's worth, I have it, it's worth just looking up to see the art. The idea that the Justice League gets turned into these apes and how they created, because here's the thing, you can have a morphogenic weapon that turns people into apes, but you're turning an Atlantean, a Martian, a Kryptonian (laughs) into an ape. That's got to be a pretty hella good morphogenic weapon at that point. Yeah, it, it kind of suggests that there is at least some connection to apes in their genetic material. Right. So, question for you. The question I've asked every one of these uh, that we've done <laughs> so far about about the Flash. Yeah. Why did Gorilla Grodd pick up stakes and go to Keystone Central Cities and decide that Flash was his guy to fight? Like, what was the, what do you think? Why would Flash be the guy? Flash isn't super intelligent. He's not a challenge in that respect, you know? He's not, like, psychic power proof. Right. I think part of it is that the Flash was pretty much the earliest hero Grodd encountered. Okay. And because he's the first that, that Grodd saw, that becomes his commitment because monkey see oh god monkey do <laughs> god damn it god damn it <laughs> you can tell you can 100 <laughs> tell this is the third issue in the story yeah. arc. <laughs> i was actually kind of channeling a thing where Catherine and i were talking about the fantastic four one time and a little off topic here uh it was about talking about the uh red ghost and his super apes yes and Catherine said well you know all the uh, they have to do is all Sue would have to do is turn everybody invisible, and then she does Stanley because monkey couldn't see monkey. Could <laughs> do. Damn it! That's good. So That's I, good. I, I needed to share that little bit for a long time because that was one of her master strokes That's that we still quote to this day. But I honestly, I think that Flash. Um, Number one, or at least Barry Allen Flash, um, had kind of a connection with Gorilla City and would often be tipped off to Grodd's plans by Solivar. Oh, really? Um, and, you know, Flash had a particular love, this hidden city that he was the first human to ever go there. So that's got to be sticking in Grodd's craw. And then I think the other thing is that Flash is fast. Yes. Fast, fast, fast. Yes. And I think that uh, that the speed is such that uh, maybe Grodd's trying to challenge, can I, like, can I get in his head when he's traveling a thousand miles an hour? Or does he pass by me so quickly that I can't get even the slightest barb into his brain? Okay. So I think there there might also be a uh, a challenge there as well. All right, all right. I can I can I can get behind that. Do you have any um, favorite Grodd moments from your past comic book readings? I uh, Grodd's one of those characters I encountered from time to time, but I. Uh, I, I can't recall how big a role he had in the crisis because it's been a number of years since I reread that. And uh, but I always thought that what was fascinating to me about Grodd is all the other gorillas had this look, but Grodd had this these like special sideburns, right? Or this extra long hair on the sides that he maintained, and so you know you could always spot Grodd in a gorilla crowd. Sure. King Solivar would run around in a giant-ass Kirby cape. Right. And Grodd had his distinctive sideburns. But everybody else were pretty much just, you know, off-the-shelf gorillas. But one of, the, one of the things I do remember that very distinctly about Gorilla Grodd was when DC did their big, um, their loose-leaf who's who. Yes, yes. 
And um, Art Adams, I believe it was, did the uh, Gorilla Grodd entry. Okay. And I'm going to try to remember to use this as flavor art if I can track it down. But he basically presents Grodd in this sort of... Because uh, I think Carmine Infantino did him in the original and, and yes. very much highlighted the uh, those distinctive sideburns again. But the... Uh, Found uh, here's a here we go. The Gorilla Grodd image was um, we were kind of looking at it one time and the, we noticed there's like a little uh, there's a huge bottle like a Chianti bottle in the foreground. It's got the kind of woven uh, elements around the glass bottle with this giant cork in it. Okay. And then on on the opposite side there's this Egyptian looking statue of a gorilla and apparently one of those uh what does he call it um he's got one of those human heads with it's like sectioned off like a butcher's thing that you know they used to think that's where all the oh yes yeah 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 the phrenology or um he's got all this different stuff laying around um including what we speculated might be the uh gorilla city of candor but uh we Steve and I came to call this the the, uh, the gorilla grod image has a gorilla god and a big bottle of gorilla grog. Gorilla grog. <laughs> so we kind of posit that uh, you know in the evenings gorilla grod likes to uh, relax with his gorilla grog. To hang out and relax with his gorilla grog. But for some reason, also gorilla grod is often depicted. With at least one human skull to hand. Yeah, he, he he likes a human skull. Yeah, he just it's like one of those worry stones. Right, it's very smooth. You know, yeah, it's just something to kind of grab onto. And uh, in that image, he's holding a, uh, a human skull with a big hole in the middle and uh, a pair of calipers for. But what's interesting is when there was the first Gorilla Grodd figure that DC Direct made. Yes. It came with a skull and calipers. Did it really? It was based yeah. on that? They were channeling that. Um, oh, my God. I, I stumbled upon a Lego Gorilla Grodd. Okay. And apparently Lego thought, well, he's a gorilla. He has to come with, instead of a skull, a banana. Really? Like, how demeaning. I mean, granted, he enjoys bananas, but he likes mangoes far more. Little, little known fact. So here's an interesting thing that happened in the New 52 that I didn't realize because comic books just weren't dark enough, right? Of course not. So he became a super genius IQ because if, according to the New 52, um, if he ate the brains of his enemies after he killed them, he gained their intelligence. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's not dark and foreboding or no. anything. That's fine. Everything's fine. No oh, wonder he's kind of keen on the skulls. That well, that's what I think, right? That's like the, uh, that's the M M&M and M shell of the brain. It really is. It it melts in your mouth, not in your hands. Exactly. <laughs> when you're grod, apparently. You're oh man, I I feel like this has definitely been a third issue of a story arc. Oh yeah, very much so. I mean, because you know, you think about it, those gorilla teeth can cut through bone like butter. That's right. They can bite through a tire. <laughs> Um, no, like, what are your final thoughts on Grodd? Like, I like Grodd. I think Grodd's a good character. I think he's underutilized, and I think he's kind of played third tier, you know? No, I have to agree, because Grodd is one of those characters that surfaces constantly. No matter how ridiculous, there's always a new incarnation of Grodd. In animated series, in the Flash uh, live-action series... In the first episode, they hint at Grodd, I think. It's like first or second episode where, or at least there was a, uh, where like a, a busted open cage mm-hmm. that's like Grodd, um, which apparently the, uh, that particular laboratory did not have the most imaginative keepers. <laughs> to give him a name like Grodd, there have been multiple incarnations of Grodd as toys. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The very first, to my knowledge, would be that very first DC Direct, which they later re-released with a different head as part of their Kingdom Come line. Or, no, sorry, not Kingdom Come. Um, Justice. He did play a part in Justice, which is one of our yeah. favorite comics. 
Exactly. He had a big role in Justice, and he had one of them uh, Brainiac, um, a combination of uh, Brainiac and Cerebro headgear going on that prevails to this day. Uh, there was a DC uh, Universe uh, figure, whatever the hell they called. Uh, there was a Build-A-Figure to make Grodd. Uh, oh, so it was, he, yes. Yeah. Which is really about... I, I say it's on a par with the first uh, DC Direct, because they, they both have these wonderful, you know, chubby gorilla proportions going down. But Grodd is a, a curious character, because he seems at once very much out of place as a Flash villain. That's like you were asking earlier, why Flash? Yeah. And, of course, the technical answer is that's kind of where he gets his start uh, as a villain. But, you know, the the reality of it is, why in the world, uh, you know, he, he first appears in Flash 106 in 1959. Right, yes. Make him a pretty damned old villain. And continues to fascinate us to this day. And I want to almost say that Grodd remains with us because of the novelty of the Intelligent Eight. Uh, you know, you, you, you figure that Pierre Boulle is uh, celebrating from his grave. <laughs> I'll give you a monkey planet. <laughs> People love people love apes, and it's it, yeah. it, it is interesting and fun to see. It's just like in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Research says people love monkeys. That's right, but it is really interesting to see Grodd like in the. I always thought it was fun to see him, and I still think it's fun to see him in these kind of uh, mixed environments where you have like the Injustice League, and it's yeah. like. And it's like all of the all of the human characters, and then Grodd. And I do like the fact that they ended up having to put like uh, like Solomon Grundy in there. Yes, yeah. because, because they're like, okay, we we need something more ridiculous than Grodd. What, exactly. What do we have that's more and, ridiculous. And we need a bigger loose cannon, Grodd. <laughs> but the worst part is when they do have the gang all gets together and there's a sleepover. You know, Grodd is uh, a bit of a night owl. Sure. And that makes it problematic for everybody when it gets to be their bedtime. <laughs> because you have to wait for Grodd to get groggy uh, and and head off to bed. Because the thing about it is, by his very nature, you don't want to be where he decides to bed down. Because as a 600-pound gorilla... <laughs> He can sleep wherever he God wants. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> I was waiting for a six. I'm glad we finally got there. I've been waiting for a 600-pound gorilla joke the entire show, and I think that that's probably a decent place we can start wrapping it up. <laughs> you, you son well, of a bitch. There was that one, one JLA where, you know, Batman grabs Grodd and, uh, and tries to winch him up on a bat line. He's like, you weigh a little more than 600 pounds. You weigh a little more than 600 pounds. <laughs> Oh God! This has been fun. I had I had fun this show. I needed a fun show. I'm glad we did yeah. it. I'm glad I'm all hopped up on medicine. I got to do. Uh, I got to create a new Muggerville character. That's right. <laughs> it's always good. It's always fun. You know, just looking back at the uh, 200 plus uh, issues I've listened to so far, Muggerville is not hurting for characters. No. I was amazed how many there are already. Oh God, no. There are actually more Muggerville characters than there are Ultron Cafe albums. I imagine there are more Muggerville characters than than, um, than strip clubs that I've danced in, or I should say <laughs> male exotic clubs that I've danced in. There, I tend to uh, frequent. Or names that you've danced under or gone to prison under. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Nom de guerres that I've uh, <laughs> gone to prison under. Oh God! All right, so uh, so why don't you plug it? Why don't you start plugging us up, Cole? Yeah, we need to do that because uh, otherwise, I think I think we've done this uh, as much justice as we can because uh, Gorilla Grodd is just one of those unique and amazing characters that you encounter in comics that inexplicably become iconic. Oh yeah, and timeless. So um, he's not going anywhere. So good night, you princes of Gorilla City. (laughs) 
And we're uh, coming to you from the Jedi Cult Universe at JediCult.com. You can uh, write to jcmail at yahoo.com. And uh, also uh, check out on the, over at uh, dallasonair.com on the first and third Sundays of every month, myself and Debbie Medina with the Rancor Pit Live, which we have been go- doing that for so many years. I don't know how long anymore or how many episodes we've done or it's just been an amazing fun ride we uh just last week did our or just i guess this last sunday uh as this flies um uh, had our episode on uh senator slash emperor slash supreme chancellor palpatine slash star sidious slash the emperor uh titled why so sidious <laughs> it's pretty good and I, I sent uh, Andy the flavor art to it was uh, good. Yes. him. And um, other than that, we uh, we've got some social presence that uh, Andy sees too on my behalf. I I do. We do. It's uh, <laughs> we are at HK Comic Show at all of your social media outlets and venues. Uh, we are becoming more active. It's it's taking a while, but we are becoming more active on those uh, platforms. Um, and yeah, so next week, uh, I'm not sure who we're talking about. I'll have to look it up, but it is more Flash villains. Um, I'm sure we'll cover more history and less uh, courtroom drama in that one. Um, I couldn't resist doing. Uh, I, I think it's rather fitting. I mean, I really, uh, I thought we were having uh, having Scope Monkey Man there. <laughs> So, so way to way to end the reference. Um, way to book in the reference. There we go. Um, yeah. So uh, until next week, um, buy, collect, enjoy your comics, and keep spreading that four color love. Uh, say good night, Cole. Good night, everybody. Comics. Comics. Monkey books. <laughs> <laughs>